Amen, amen. Thank you, worship team, for that time of worship here this morning. Hey, I want to bring to your attention right now, um, usually during this time, if we were gathered here in our worship gathering, uh, we would have a time of taking up our offering. And even if we were physically gathered right now, we couldn't actually take it up because of COVID-19. But uh, if you want to be able to give online, if you feel God is leading you to give or you want to be part of your regular tithe, you can do so at the link you see on your screen, homesavenue.com forward slash give. You can do that anytime, today, tomorrow, this week, whatever you feel led to do, you can do that. I want to invite you again. I, I told you at the beginning of the service that we are continuing in our study of James today. And we're going to be in James chapter 1, verses 19 through 27 today. And I've entitled the sermon today, Obey the Word of God. Now, if you're just joining us for the first time, uh, over the last three weeks now, we have been in the book of James, and this is our summer series that we're, we're journeying through. And in doing so, we've seen so far, a couple weeks ago, how we are to have joy in trials if we're a follower of Christ, how we are to uh, come before the Lord and, and ask in faith about wisdom. And then you remember maybe last week, Pastor Walter gave a great message on the goodness of God and seeing that from verses 12 through 18 and, and how that can apply to our life and see what God has done and, and what he's continuing to do in our lives through our sanctification process. Well, today we come to this point where we conclude chapter 1 and we see how we must obey the word of God. We must not just be hearers of the word, but we must do as the word commands us. You know, thinking about this passage for today, it makes me think about children. And with our children, uh, we have um, the uh, amazing opportunity as parents to see how our kids uh, can kind of just become sinners pretty quickly as they begin to, to grow in this life. You know, everything's great as they're a baby. Things are wonderful. You know, we've got the late nights of, of crying and being up all night. You've got those different But, you know, it's just great being a parent. And then your kids start to get older, and they start to, to, to make it obvious that they were born in this world a sinner. If you're a parent, you understand what I'm saying. Or if you're a grandparent, or if you've just been around kids, you've seen that happen in your life at some point or another. And we see how kids can very easily be disobedient to the teachings of their parents. Well, just as a child can do that, a, a, an adult, a follower of Christ can do the same thing. We can face times in our life where we know what the scriptures teach us and we're trying to live our lives and follow it, but there are times when we are just blatantly disobedient. There are times whenever we want to do things our own way. There are times whenever God lays out for us how we are to live our lives as followers of Jesus, and yet we don't do it. And so I pray that as we see this passage today, that you would see before you that God would work in your life today and maybe it would bring about conviction. Maybe it would bring about this point where you realize, man, I need to repent. I, I told you a couple weeks ago when we started the book of James, James is a tough book. It's a tough book, but it's, it's a wonderful book because it's a, a prescription for us as followers of Jesus as to what we are to do in this life, how we are to live, how we are to be mature believers. So with that said, as we always do at this time, wherever you may be, watching at home or in your home group, wherever you are, let's stand together to honor the reading of God's word. James chapter 1, starting in verse 19. Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. 
But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not brittle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. This is the word of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, Lord, I thank you for today. Lord, I thank you for the time of worship that we've had praising your name in song. Father, I thank you for the opportunity we have now to continue in our worship to you. Yes, we've, we've taken the opportunity to give. Lord, we, we now pause away from everything. Lord, I pray that the distractions all stop and that we would hear from you as your word is proclaimed. I pray that you be with the one, the sinner that is standing before your people that is proclaiming it. Lord, use me. Lord, speak through me. Lord, be glorified in this time. God, I pray, Lord, that you would truly move, your spirit would move in such a profound, powerful way today. God, that hearts would be changed, lives would be changed. Lord, bring about repentance where necessary. Lord, bring about conviction. Lord, have your way during this time. I love you, Lord, and I thank you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, from what we see in this passage today, we're going to see how followers of Christ are called to be obedient to God by humbly receiving the implanted Word of God, walking in obedience to the Word of God, and living a genuine life of faith. So if you're taking notes, I pray you are. Maybe you have your ESV journal there that you can follow along with the book of James. We're going to start with the first point. Humbly receive the implanted Word of God. Humbly receive the implanted Word of God. Verse 19 again says, Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. We see how James is is bringing this about and he's telling us to, to be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. And it's coming off of this fantastic message, as I mentioned, that Walter gave to us last week, where we see the goodness of God on full display in our lives. And we also notice there in verse 18 that he tells us that we've been brought forth by the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Think about that. Our salvation should produce something new in us, church. It should produce something new that is not of the old self. Our salvation should produce this type of response to be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. Obviously, we would be crazy to think that we have mastered this. I think every single one of us, if we were all sitting here together, maybe even right there while you're with your home group, take a little poll real quick. How many of you have mastered this? Guarantee you nobody's lifted their hands. I know I have not raised my hand for this. None of us have been able to master this yet. Yet that is the beauty. That is the beauty of our salvation. We have been justified. We have been saved by the finished work of Jesus at Calvary and his resurrection from the grave. Our repentance of our sin. Our confession of Jesus Christ as Lord. Yet we are still sinners. Yet God still shows the grace and mercy to us every single day. And we will not be perfect until the day of Christ. But until that day comes, we work through our sanctification process. We live our lives, hopefully, for God's glory. 
And we should live a life pursuing the holiness that God expects of us, and he's called us to. Now, we must not be jumping the gun to respond in this, in this uh, situation, as we see, as James is telling us. Instead, we should be silent. We should be quick to listen first, thus waiting on a response and certainly waiting for the anger. We see in the book of Proverbs, chapter 10, verse 19, it tells us, When words are many, transgression is not lacking, but whoever restrains his lips is prudent. I love the book of Proverbs, a book of wisdom for us. If we are quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger, it's a representation of what the Holy Spirit is doing in our lives, church. We are walking in obedience to God, and we are following what the Scriptures have commanded of us. We can all agree on something. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ and you're a member of Holmes Avenue Baptist Church, you know that here at this church we believe that God's Word is the divinely inspired, inerrant, infallible Word of God. Therefore, what it says we must do. That is the expectation as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now I want to ask you, if you were to look at this Scripture, the way in which you look at a medication, would you follow it exactly the way the prescription says? Have you ever taken a prescription, you got it, maybe you had some kind of illness or something like that, and you've been given an antibiotic, and on the label it says, take this for the next 10 days, twice a day, and you decided to take it for two days and say, ah, I don't need it anymore, and then you wonder why you get sick again or get even worse in your illness. It's because you're not following the prescription that has been laid out before you. If you take it, and it is exactly what was needed for you to battle that illness, as long as you follow that prescription, you're going to get better. You're going to get well. My question is, if we look at the Word of God as the prescription by which we live by, and we follow what it says for us, if we are reading it and we see the Word says to be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger, I think we would notice that things would go a little bit better in our lives and in our situations that we encounter. Verse 19 to us is an example. And we see that if we do not follow this, what could happen? Obviously, issues, turmoil, problems. Verse 20 says, For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. The anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. James tells us here specifically that, that the anger of man is, is not something that brings God glory. It does not produce this righteousness of God. Why is that? Because we are sinners. We are sinners. You know, I've heard people give the example before of, well, Jesus went into the temple and he, he flipped all the tables. Well, yeah, Jesus was angry in that moment because his father's house had become a, a market a place for people just to go and buy and sell, and it was not being used for the holy purpose of why it was there. We see the Apostle Paul tells us in the book of Ephesians, chapter 4, 26 and 27, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down in your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Church, we must be careful and watch over the way in which we react, the way in which we encounter things to make sure that we do not sin. If you need a good definition of what sin looks like in our life and how it dwells from inside of us and what it does in our lives, go back and listen to last week's message. 
because it was laid out perfectly for us. You see, church, we can be angry when we see misjustice happening. We can be angry when we see people of race hated on because of their skin color. We can be angry when we see prejudices taking place. We can be angry when we see millions of lives of innocent babies in the womb are taken through abortion. We can be angry about those things. That is, that is a good response for us because those are unbiblical things that are happening in our world. But as followers of Jesus, we, we should be careful in the way in which we address it. We cannot let that anger fester up so much to where we go in sin in that regard. And unfortunately, over the last couple of weeks, what I've been able to see transpire on social media is I've seen encounters of where followers of Jesus are engaging in hateful anger with each other and with lost people because things don't necessarily look the exact way they should. And instead of checking where we are with our anger, we see things happen and this sin dwells up and spews out all over the place. We have to be careful and not fall into the same trap of what we see taking place around us. It is okay to be angry about those things. But as Paul said, be angry and do not sin. We must be slow to this anger and this notion of not allowing it to take over our lives. Verse 21 tells us, Therefore put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Let's break that down for a minute. The first thing we see is that, that James is saying to put away all filthiness. Now, you heard me quote this gentleman a couple weeks ago, and I, I, just, I, I love his writings through this commentary on the book of James. But Dr. Robert Plummer notes that it can be defined as, that term filthiness, dirty, rotten, unclean, defiling nature of wicked speech and sinful anger. So when James says to us to put away all filthiness, he is associating our speech and conduct as dirty and rotten. It's, it's because of the effects of our sin in our lives. We must call it what it is, church. Now we know from other places in Scripture that, that our sin, we, we come for it's like filthy rags before God. We need to be cleansed by Jesus and his saving work in our lives because of what he's done through Calvary and his resurrection and defeat of the grave. But as I said a moment ago, we are still sinners. We still get that grace. We still get that mercy. But we have to be careful. We have to watch ourselves and be careful in the, which, in the way in which we respond. So James says, put away all filthiness. But James also says, in, in putting away all filthiness, and rampant wickedness. That rampant wickedness, that means that our sinful speech and anger can catch like a wildfire. It can catch like a wildfire and destroy so many things and hurt so many people so quickly. Have you ever had a conversation with someone? Maybe if you're married, you can say that you've had a conversation with your wife. Or you've had a conversation with somebody if you're not married. And, and you are so angry with the person in that moment. And as you are, 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 are not doing what Scripture tells you to do, and you're not quick to listen, and matter of fact, you don't want to listen at all. You just want to speak. You're not slow to speak. You're not slow to anger because you're angry. And you see what happens in that moment. Nine times out of ten, no, let's say ten times out of ten, 100% of the time, 
you're going to say something that is going to be harmful to that person. You are going to hurt that person. And nine times out of ten, ten times out of ten, 100% of the time, that person is probably going to get frustrated with you, and that person is going to retaliate with the same thing. There you have rampant wickedness. It is running around like wildfire. It is spreading. The best image in my mind that I have of that, and some of you may have seen this if you've ever been to Universal Studios, but when you're in the Harry Potter world, you see the up on top that is there before you. And every so few minutes, it spews out all of this fire, and everybody sits there to watch it. It's like, wow, and you're on the ground, and you can just feel the heat coming from up there. And it is way up there. It's about as high as the ceiling of our sanctuary. And you can feel that heat. Well, the same is true with our filthiness and our rampant wickedness of our speech and our anger, not following the way in which God's word tells us to do so. And it just spreads like a fire, like a forest fire, burning everything. The Apostle Paul says to us again, now in Colossians 3.8, But now you must put away all, uh, put them all away, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. We have to be careful in the way in which we talk. As followers of Jesus, we have been set apart. And to this world, we are to look and live differently, walking in obedience to God. And if we have a filthy mouth, and we have obscene things and obscene talk that comes from our mouth, anger, wrath, malice, any of those things, we are not living a life that projects Christ. We are living a life that is sinful and tells the world that we don't truly honor the one in which has the one in whom has saved our souls. Lastly in that verse, James calls the reader to receive the meekness of the implanted word of God that is able to save our souls. Isn't that beautiful church? Receive with meekness be submissive in this to God. Receive it in the submissive type of way. The implanted word of God that is written on our hearts. Jeremiah chapter 31 verse 33 says, For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Has that not happened, church? Because of what Jesus has done, we have the Holy Spirit indwelling us. God's word is implanted on our hearts. Our great God has given us this gift of salvation through Christ Jesus our Lord and the Holy Spirit that dwells inside of us. He has written his word on our hearts. It is implanted. So instead of speaking in anger too quickly, we must recall what God has done, how he has changed us. We must humbly remember and receive that. The next thing we see, point number two, walk in obedience to the word of God. Verse 22 says, But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror. I read 22 and 23 to you there. I apologize. I'm going to go back to 22 for a minute. Now, as we just established here through what we've read, we have the implanted word of God within us. Yet as followers, we hear the word of God as well. 
In fact, right now you are sitting here and you're listening to me act a fool in front of you, proclaiming the word of God. You are hearing the word of God taught. When you're in your home group, you hear the word of God taught. You are hearing it. You have it implanted in you, and you are also hearing it. So what do you do as you hear the word of God taught and preached? We are called not to just hear this word taught and put it away and come back to it the next week when it's time to hear it taught again. No, we are to hear it, and then we are to do what we have been taught. We are to hear it and read it and see what it says for us to do and be doers of the word. We must put the word of God that is laid out before us into practice. Our faith following the Lord Jesus Christ must be demonstrated, church. And it must be demonstrated through our actions. In just a couple of weeks, we're going to see this in James chapter 2, verse 17. But it says, so also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. We have faith. We have trust. We have been justified. We do not believe that we have to do works in order to be saved. We are saved, period. We're justified. However, we are to live a life living out good works before people so that people can see exactly what has happened in us and so we can proclaim and demonstrate the gospel. You are probably hearing it every single week and maybe you haven't even heard it. Maybe we said it every week and you just haven't been picking up on it, but we're going to keep saying it until everybody is just saying it everywhere and living a life with it. Yes, we exist to glorify God and make disciples at Holmes Avenue Baptist Church. Yes, we do. And we exist so that every man, woman, and child in our circle of accountability in this area and everywhere where we are, churches, we are scattered has multiple opportunities to see, hear, and respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is why you and I are here on this earth. We have not been called home yet. And until we are called home, if you are a follower of Jesus, you have been commanded by God Almighty, the charge of the Great Commission, to go and make disciples. That means you live your life projecting the gospel, proclaiming it to everybody that is around you. Prayerfully, as God gives you the opportunities, you boldly step out in faith and you have gospel conversations. You proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. But you also come alongside believers and you disciple them, making them disciples who in turn make disciples who make disciples. That is what this church is going to do moving forward continually until God calls us home church. This community is lost, and it needs the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we must live our lives in obedience to the word of God. Now, 23 and 24 tells us, For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forget what he looks like. James gives this profound illustration to us, church, in these two verses. He talks about this man, or, or put yourself in the, in the position if you're a lady, man or woman, this person who looks at themselves in the mirror and walks away and completely forgets what they look like when they just saw themselves. He is saying that is the same kind of example of someone who hears the word of God preached and exposited and taught and yet says, I'm not going to do that. How ridiculous is that? 
How ridiculous is it to think that someone would go and look in the mirror? Just imagine you're looking in your mirror and you're like, okay, yeah, I see myself. And you walk away and you're like, I don't remember what I just saw. It's ludicrous. In the same way, we hear the word of God. We read the word of God. We must do what the word of God tells us to do. Instead of just taking this glance and seeing what the word has for us and hearing it, we must take the time to not make quick, superficial glances, as Dr. Plummer also refers to it as. But we must take the time to hear and see what the word says to do and live out these truths, these expectations of God for us. If we do not, church, we are simply living a disobedient life. We are simply saying, God, thanks for what you've done for me. I'm not doing anything for you. And if that's our attitude, we should repent. You might say, well, Brian, I, I don't purposely say that. But do your actions show that? I, I really want to challenge you, church. I told you, James is hard. But I really want to challenge you. We can't keep playing church. We can't. God has been so faithful to us during this pandemic. We have seen someone come to faith in Jesus Christ and we haven't even gathered as the church corporately. And in a few weeks when we're able to regather, we are going to baptize him. And prayerfully, if people come forward and they say, I have confessed Christ, I want to be baptized, you better believe they're getting dunked. God has been so faithful to us continually through this process. If we sit back and we say, thanks, but I'm just going to chill. Get on your face and repent. And I'm including myself in that church. We have to live lives in complete surrender and obedience to God. Because this community needs it. This city needs it. I want so badly, I desire so badly for the name of Holmes Avenue Baptist Church to get out all through the community so the people in our community and throughout the city can say, that church has got something crazy going on over there. And not so that people can boast in the fact that Holmes Avenue Baptist Church is doing well. No, it's so that people can come and say, I've heard that something's going on. What in the world is happening here? And we can say, listen to what God has done. He has worked in us and through us. Hallelujah. We boast in him and him alone. This has nothing to do with Brian, Walter, Michael, Deacons, ministry staff, or any of us in this congregation. It is all because of what God is doing in and through our lives. Because of the salvation that has been given to us through Christ Jesus our Lord. And we live a life in obedience to him. That is what we've been called to do, church. I pray that that is your heart's desire. Verse 25 tells us, But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres under, excuse me, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. The perfect law is that of the Old Testament that is now fulfilled in the finished work of Jesus Christ our King. And if you need a reference, you can go look up Matthew 5.17. Jesus makes it clear, I'm the fulfillment of everything that was said in the Old Testament. 
This perfect law has been fulfilled, church. There is liberty and there is freedom for us, church family, because of what Jesus has done. We persevere in this life by following the teachings of God's word. We look into the perfect law fulfilled in Christ and persevere throughout the journey and are blessed by our great God. Now, when you see that term blessed, does that mean you're going to be rich? Nope. Does that mean that you're never going to have a problem again? Nope. But you will have the joy of knowing that you are living a life in complete surrender to your heavenly father in obedience. Church, that is a blessed life. I'm sick and tired of seeing people swayed in the wrong direction because of a false gospel that is being preached. A prosperity gospel that tells you that everything's going to be hunky-dory, everything's going to be fine, God's going to give you all the wealth in the world, you can buy this, you can buy that, you're good, just name it and claim it, it's yours. Folks, that is not biblical. We have the truth of the gospel before us. We have the truth of God's word before us. And when we walk in obedience to God and we live this life being obedient to his word and following him, knowing that when the suffering comes, we still boast and rejoice because God is with us. Knowing that when we face difficult times, we boast in the Lord because he is with us. Knowing that if we lose our job, if we're furloughed, if we battle an illness that is just destroying us and killing us, we still boast Because God is with us. That is a blessed life. That is looking into the perfect law. The law of liberty. And persevering. Being no hearer who forgets. But a doer who acts. Walking in obedience. Lastly, church, not only... Do we humbly receive the implanted word? Not only do we walk in obedience to the word of God, but number three, we live a genuine life of faith. Verse 26 says, If anyone thinks he is religious and does not brittle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. James concludes this section here on obedience with verses 26 and 27, talking about one's religion. Now, it's, it's kind of difficult today in modern times when we hear that word religion. Because you'll hear people say, oh, I'm religious. But the the problem with that is a person can say that they're very religious because they attend a church service. They they periodically will give some money to help with the cause. They'll they'll come and they'll be a part of something to to help people out. And they they will say that they are religious. And they, they are, are living a life where they, thinks that, they think that their works are earning their salvation, but that's not the gospel. No, a person in this regard that does not brittle his tongue, a person that is not living a genuine life of faith following Jesus Christ, that doesn't brittle his tongue, deceives his heart. And this person's religion, this person's quote-unquote faith, is worthless. James is saying here that our tongue and our speech are not necessarily bad because we'll see later on in the book of James how they can be used for good. But the way in which the tongue and speech is used is the determining factor here. 
James uses this, this image here of a horse's harness at the mouth, the brittle, to show again how we must watch our speech. We must watch our speech. The tongue must be brittled. We must watch our words and the way in which we use our speech. And we must live a life of what the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians 4.29. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may, be, that it may give grace to those who hear. Our religion or our faith is worthless if we do not speak in a manner that glorifies the Lord Jesus Christ. We cannot hinder our testimony. We cannot. We have to remember as saved followers of Jesus Christ who it is that we represent. It is the one who willingly went through the beating, the flogging, the disrespect, the crown of thorns pressed on his head. The carrying of the cross to Golgotha, the place of the skull, where nails were driven into his wrist and his feet. Where he hung on the cross, taking on the wrath of God. Yet a sinful, a sinless man, excuse me. That is Jesus. That is who we represent. The one that took our place so that you and I would have the opportunity to understand that he is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one gets to the Father but through him. To understand that he died in our place. To understand that if we repent of our sins and confess Jesus Christ as Lord, then we are saved. Verse 27 says, Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction, and to keep oneself unstained from the world. James gives this counter here in 27 to those with the true religion, true faith that have been truly converted to live a life caring and providing for those in need. He says here specifically orphans and widows. As you know, they must be taken care of. God makes that clear through his word. But we can also add on to that and say anyone that is in need anyone that, come, that we can come alongside of and love and care for and show the love of Christ to. When this past Friday night, we, or excuse me, Saturday night, we, we have a, a drive-through dinner just to bless the people in our community. You guys realize that there are, there are children who don't necessarily have food on their table. We're able to provide meals for them. That is showing the love of Christ to those in need. James follows up this point, though, here to say that followers of Christ must stay unstained from the world in that second half of 27. Another way of saying this is to pursue holiness. Pursue God and the holiness that is expected of us. This is another powerful image. We are living in a world today that is stained by sin. You turn on the television you see it, especially the last few weeks. We see, as we've addressed the last couple of weeks, the injustices that are happening in this world today. You see the corrupt talk that is happening before us on our televisions. You see people dying. 
you see people retaliating and people dying. Sin is running rampant all around us in this world. As followers of Jesus, we are to live lives that are to be kept away from the stain of the sin of this world. We must be unstained from it. Because these things are harmful to us, church. Now, none of us are perfect. And thank God for the, the ability for repentance and salvation. But we must live our lives to bring God glory and to flee from the things of this world. So if I could sum it up for you today, I would say this, follower of Jesus Christ, be slow to speak, quick to listen, slow to anger. Don't just hear the word. Don't just read the word. But do as the word commands. And live a life of genuine faith. Completely surrender to God. Present your body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. It is your spiritual worship. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. So if you're a follower of Christ, I want to challenge you. Whether you're a member of Holmes Avenue, you're just checking things out, or maybe this is the first time you've ever heard of Holmes Avenue Baptist Church and you're watching right now. But you would identify yourself as a person that has been saved through the, through the sacrificial atoning work of Jesus at the cross and his resurrection from the grave. I want to ask you, evaluate your life. Are you living a life in complete surrender to God, in obedience to Him and His Word? And I want to challenge you, if you would say, no, I'm not, repent. Repent before God of your sin and move forward. Repent. Flee from it. And walk in obedience. If you're listening right now and you would say, well, Brian, I, I, I don't identify myself as a follower of Jesus Christ. You've heard me describe what Jesus has gone through. He, he did so on the cross. Bearing the weight of sin. Bearing the weight of your sin. So that you would repent of your sin and confess Christ Jesus as Lord. You'll see there on the screen, you've, you've got homesavenue.com forward slash contact. I want to encourage you, if you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, but, but you have questions, or maybe you say, man, you know what, today, like, I, I want to know what it means to follow Jesus. I want to follow Jesus Christ. I want to be baptized like Brian was talking about. I want you to go to that link, homesavenue.com forward slash contact. I want you to reach out to us so we can begin a conversation with you to come alongside of you and to teach you what it means to follow Jesus. And prayerfully, you will come to saving faith in Christ Jesus, our Lord. You can send us a message here on Facebook. We're, we're listening right now. Uh, even as this stream is going, we have people that right now that can respond to you right now. If you have a prayer request, whatever it may be. But what I'm going to do, as we always do, is I'm going to pause for a moment of quiet reflection. And whether you know Christ Jesus as Lord, or whether you're like, man, I, I'm really wondering what this is about. I don't know Jesus, but I, I want to ask you, to stop and ask the Lord, what are you telling me right now? 
what do you need my response to be, Lord? Because I want to walk in obedience to you. So I'm going to pause for quiet reflection, and then I'll close this in prayer before the band plays. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you so much for your word. Lord, I thank you so much that even as hard as it may be sometimes to hear your word preached, taught, read, because of the Holy Spirit bringing about conviction in our lives, it can be difficult. But Lord, I thank you for it because it's only sanctifying us more. Father, I pray for those that are listening right now. Maybe they would identify themselves as a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ and praise God for that. But they would say, you know what? I'm not living by this passage. I'm not living by what the Word of God tells me to do. And Lord, you've you've brought about conviction to them. Lord, I pray that they would repent and they would start today living a life in obedience and surrender to you. Father, for the one that is listening right now that would say, I'm not a follower of Jesus Christ. I don't know what that means, but I'd like to know more. Father, I pray, Lord, that, that they would be bold enough to reach out to us and ask, what must I do to be saved? And as the beauty of your word says, they would repent of your sin, and they would confess Jesus Christ as Lord. They would believe in their heart that he died for their sins and that you resurrected him from the grave. Father, whatever it may be right now, Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would have your way in this moment. May you get the glory, the honor, and the praise that you so rightfully deserve. I love you, Lord, and I thank you. In the strong name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen.